All right. Well, go ahead and open up that app and let's get ready to dive into it. This is part four of a series we've been into called The Ark. And uh, this is a type and shadow of the ark right here. Uh, God asked Moses to make this so that the Ten Commandments would be safe inside. Well, when King David became the king over Israel, he backed up and he said, where's the ark? And they said back to him, it got stolen a long, long, long time ago. And so David said, look, I want to go get that ark and I want to bring it back here. Because the ark represented more than just a gold box. It represented more than the Ten Commandments. The presence of God literally would rest between these two angels. It's called the mercy seat. And so David backs up and he says, get me the ark. And he rounds up 30,000 of his most elite soldiers and they start marching to go get this ark. Now, let me just hit pause just for a minute. The part of the story that is so perplexing is the fact that there, were, there was a king and there were leaders before David that learned to be okay with the fact that the Holy Spirit was not in their presence. Like, how does that happen? How can somebody learn to be okay without the presence of God in their life? How can that happen? I get it. Because I have gone through seasons in my life where I am putting a lot of stress and a lot of pressure on me trying to figure out how to fix my own problems. I know none of you guys have never been there before but other people our neighbors our neighbors they'll go several weeks several months not coming to church because they're trying to figure life out on their own and as life begins to unravel and usually it just unravels in one section at a time you know, this part of your life unravels, that part of your life unravels. And then there's always one part of your life that's actually going good. And you spend all your time on that one spot while everything else is just continuing to unravel. And, and, there's the, and, and we're doing the best we can. It's almost like you got your family plate on this stick. It's dinner time, it's breakfast. It's laundry, it's dishes, nobody can put their own dish back. <laughs> then we got laundry, laundry, why am I folding everyone's laundry? Can't they do their own laundry? Dishes, laundry, laundry, dishes, cat pooped. <laughs> Dog is five years old, still isn't house trained. My husband's passing gas, he's not house trained. Got all these things going now. We got finances. We got barely two dollars rubbed together. Laundry, dishes, dog, cat, husband. I wish I had a husband. I have a husband. Wish I didn't have a husband. 
And we got all these things going. And we learn that that becomes our new normal. It's our new normal. Well, David shows up and goes, no, 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 no. This is not going to be our new normal. I'm not going to learn how to do this. We're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant. I was born to be in his presence. When his presence is far from me, it becomes my sole focus until I feel intimate with him again. God is never far from you, but he can feel far from you. And you know exactly what I'm saying. Have you ever had somebody that you're sitting right next to, not to make you awkward, but you're sitting right next to them, you're sitting right next to them, but they feel a mile away. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so David said, look, I'm not going to learn how to live like this. We're going to get the ark back. Many of you have started coming to church again for that exact reason. I don't want to learn to live my life like this. I want the presence of God in my life. So you've come back to church. And so David gets the crew and, and, and they go get it. And, and so they, they pick up the ark and they put it on this very heavy ark. They put it on the cart and it's being pulled by this ox. And all of a sudden he steps in a hole. The ox steps in a hole, falls over. The ark is falling over. This guy named Uzziah grabs the ark and he dies because he touches it. He did not see the Indiana Jones. And he died. He can't touch the ark. He dies. Bang! Dies. David freaks out. He did not see that coming. And so he goes to across the street. There's a little small house. There's a poor man that lives there. He and his family live there. He knocks on the door and the guy opens the door and freaks out. Can you imagine the president of the United States ringing your doorbell? And you think it's like a Girl Scout cookie girl, and you're like, what the? And he says, look, I need to put this in your house. Now imagine that for a minute. All of your houses are bigger than this guy's house. His name was Obed-Edom. But imagine I take this, and I go put it right in the middle of your living room. And I say, I'm going to need it again next Sunday for that celebration. But I'm just going to store it here. I'm going to come get it next Saturday night. Because you're nice, you're going to say, okay, put it in your living room. And immediately it becomes an obstruction. You're trying to go to the bathroom, excuse me, and people are going, and when is Pastor Frankie going to come get this? And it's just, it's, it's an annoyance, it's an inconvenience. Let me save all of us some time by talking about the ark in the room. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will be an inconvenience. There is going to be moment after moment after moment after moment where you are going to feel the presence of God compel you to do something that you do not want to do. And you're going to have this moment after moment where you have to decide, are you going to sacrifice what you want to do so that he can be glorified, so that he can say, hey, I saw what you just did. You didn't do it because you wanted to do it. You did it because you know I like it. Or you know I hate that, so you didn't do it. 
It's sacrifice. You cannot have intimacy with God without sacrifices. You cannot do it. Some people try to have a relationship with God without making any sacrifices. If they like it, they're going to do it. And God, you're just going to have to be okay with it. And if you send me to hell over it, what kind of God are you? And they don't want to make any sacrifices at all, which is unlike any relationship any of us have ever had. Because every single good relationship that you've ever had, whether it's an intimate relationship or a family relationship or just a, a friend, you've had to make sacrifices in order for that relationship to be good. I've got a, a, a friend of mine, he was actually an intern, and he got married, he was 21 years old. 30 days after he got married, he calls me up, and he goes, hey, Jessica and I just got into a big fight. I said, okay, tell me about it. He goes, well, we got into a fight and she wasn't listening to me. And so I pointed at her and I said, you will submit to me, woman. (laughs) I said, well, where are you right now? He's like, well, she locked me out. (laughs) She said, I can't come back. I'm at Subway (laughs) and I can't come out. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. Let's go back to square one and don't tell anyone you ever interned under me. Do you understand? (laughs) There's this, a mentality of sacrificing some mentality of sacrificing in order for a relationship to grow and develop. There has to be moment after moment where what you want gets sacrificed because you know the other person would prefer it. And if you want to have an intimate relationship with God, what he prefers trumps what you desire. It trumps it. Now you may say, why do I have to stop doing something that I like doing? Once again, I don't want to have a concentric conversation, but once again, uh, just like any other relationship you've ever had, if it's going to grow, if it's going to flourish, that other person's needs, wants, and desires have to come before yours. Now, you'll meet people in your life where you'll look at them and you'll go, your needs and your wants and your desires are not going to come before mine. Fair enough. That's why they're no longer in your life. Are you sure you want to make that decision with the Lord? And so here Obed-Edom says, fine, put it, put it in my living room. Three months later, David shows up. Could you imagine? Hey, can you hold this in your living room for a couple days? He comes back 90 days later. 90 days later, though, watch what happened. All of his crops all the way around his house, stalks, beanstalks, like you can climb all the way up to the sky, beanstalks all the way around, corn everywhere, wheat everywhere. And the Bible says everyone in his family began to prosper. I know that the sacrifice that you have to make with the Lord is hard to do. Trust me. I'm anointed to preach this but I got to live it just like everybody else. There's moment after moment where it's hard. What God's asking me to do is hard. But just know this, the decisions that you make, they affect more than just you. They have put seeds inside of your kids' hearts that they will never, ever, ever, ever forget. They put seeds inside of your home. They create the atmosphere of your house. 
if you're single in this room, the sacrifices that you make determine the atmosphere in your apartment, in your home. When people come into your home, when they talk to you at work, they look into your eyes, there's something about the kindness of your eyes, the spirit that exudes off of you that they begin to feel and they like you and they don't know why. All because you made sacrifices. See, the sacrifice that you make affects more than just you. So Obed-Edom said, yes, go ahead and put it in there. Major sacrifice. Everybody in the whole family is experiencing a blessing. And then David shows up. And then Obed does exactly what many of us do when someone rings our doorbell. Don't say a word. Raise your hand if I'm talking to you. Don't lie in church. Come on. Don't lie in church. So we get down. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Don't say anything. What is he doing here? He didn't call first. So David shows up and says, Obed, I know you're in there. I see your Mercedes Benz in the driveway. I know things are going good for you. He opens up the door. Art David's like, I heard good things have been happening to you. Yeah, they have. Let me just say this. If there's any part of your heart that is disappointed in your relationship with God, I want to challenge you to look into your heart and to ask yourself, is there any sacrifices that the Holy Spirit has been asking for that you have refused to give? Because the next 30 days, the next 60 days of your life, I'll go so far as to say the next 90 days of your life, just like obed Edom, he made massive sacrifices but experienced massive rewards. Look into your own heart. I didn't say this in the first service or the second service, so it's for somebody in this room. Look into your own heart and ask yourself, where do you need to make a sacrifice? And it's that one area where you go, no, not that one. That's probably the one. <laughs> and over the next 90 days, watch and see what the Lord does. So David said, look, I'm taking the ark. I'm taking it back to the temple. Obed says this, you're taking the ark then I'm following the ark. Point number one, I've got two points. Point number one is that Obed-Edom decided that he was going to make a sacrifice and no, he was going to serve in the presence of God for the rest of his life. See, the presence of God will ruin your life. Raise your hand if you understand what I'm saying. Raise your hand. I remember when Juan and Rebecca came to our church for the first time in the Woodlands High School 11 years ago. And, and Juan told me, he says, my family's never been to church before. Am I right? Never been to church before. He comes in, the whole family gets baptized. 11 years later, they're still here. You experience the, absolutely, and stand up because I want to clap for both of you. Go ahead, stand up. Hey, Javon, yes. 11 years later, they're still here. You come in and you feel the presence of God. It messes you up. And then you say, I don't want to live without this. And then you try to live without it. And then you're back to spinning plates again, right? And you're like, I can't live like this. 
So Obed even said, I'm not, I'm not living like this. I'm not living, I'm staying wherever that ark goes, I go. So David says, well, I got, I don't have a job for you. It'd be like you move into like Arkansas or something. And the guy says, look, I don't have a job for you. The only job I have is if you, if you want to stand at the door and let people in and out, then that's all I got. Obed says, I'm in. The Bible says that he was a doorkeeper where the house, where the Ark of the Covenant was. So all I, if all I can do is just be a doorkeeper, then I'm good. I, I don't know if that resonates with some people in this room where you said, if I was Obed, I'd do the same thing. I would be a doorkeeper. Well, without being ashamed, I'm going to say, you do have that opportunity today. Because the Bible says in Psalms chapter 26, verse 8, that it is in, I love the sanctuary of the Lord because it's where his presence dwells. This sanctuary right here, his presence dwells here. Have you ever walked into a sanctuary, this sanctuary or another sanctuary, when nobody else was there and the lights were off? Raise your hand real high. It's eerie. Trust me, I work in this building. I come walking in sometimes, and I'm like, do I need to be in here? <laughs> I think there's some big angels in here. I don't, don't want to accidentally see one. <laughs> some people pray to see angels. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> Those things are so big. They glow. Anyway, more power to you. <laughs> this is where the presence of God is in this room. And if, if there's any part of you that says, I'm kind of like Obed-Edom, I just want to serve in the house. After the service, walk out there in the lobby and join our dream team because that's all you do. You show up 15 minutes early or you leave 15 minutes late and you serve somewhere here. Now some of you are like, well, 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 I was talking about Obed-Edom, but this is the same exact thing. Now some of you, you enjoy showing up 10 or 15 minutes late and leave as soon as it's over. The cool thing is, is that you have mission accomplished. We don't know who you are. You have, you're under the radar. We don't know who you are. We don't know which one of you are walking in and then walking out. We don't know which one it is. So mission accomplished. You have succeeded. We don't know who you are. But you know who you are. And I just want to ask you, is that really how you want to be a part of our family? You want to just walk in and walk out? Walk in walk out. When... You could contribute and serve just by showing up 15 minutes early or leaving 15 minutes late, depending on what role you want. It's my heart, it's my desire that all of us do something, even if all you do is stand there and hold a punch, punch tray. You want to punch? No, no, no punch tray. No, no, no. Okay, cool, cool. All right, I'm going home. If that's all you do, at least you're doing something in the house of God. So Obed-Edom said, I want to serve. And then he said this, number two, I am going to anchor myself. This has changed me so much. The presence of God has changed me so much. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. 
In Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Have you ever met a person who laughs? Whenever they laugh, they laugh like this. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. And you're like, you're not laughing. That's not a real laugh. And you want to say, that's not a real laugh. Hey, they're faking it. It's not a real laugh. Or have you ever met somebody who laughs like this? That's funny. It's like, well, if it's funny, then laugh. I'm going to say, 70% of us in that room, I just talked about. And I go through these long stretches of seasons where I don't laugh. And I'm like, I don't like being the guy who doesn't laugh. I don't want to laugh like, hey, that's funny. I don't want to be that guy. But what ends up happening is when you spin these plates like crazy, there is no fullness of joy. And then you look at other people that are laughing really, really, really hard. They're like, (laughs) you're like, I wish I could laugh like that. And we see the little kids on the screen and they're like, and then David and Goliath. And and, and now I turn around and I look at you and all of you guys are looking at the kids like this. Because we envy the joy. Obed-Edom says, look, it's in your presence I find joy. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you with my whole heart. I'm going to serve. And God, there's so many things in this world that I just, I've been in these plates. Like, like, I'm just going to worship you and you figure out these plates. You know what the Lord says to you? Perfect. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest of these things. I'll add it unto you. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. Would you raise both hands if you you would mind just raise both hands I ask you to bow your heads but put your chin up like you're looking towards heaven the word hallelujah means God be praised we're going to sing that simple song hallelujah but before we do I want to ask you a question Obed-Edom had to make a decision on whether or not that ark was going to stay in his house. I feel like all morning long, from one service to the next, we've had three. The Holy Spirit has been asking people to make a decision. I feel like some of you in this room, the Holy Spirit is asking you to make a decision. And I don't know what the decision is. I don't know, and I'm not even going to give you examples because I don't want to direct you in a particular way. But I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking you to start doing something or stop doing something. He wants you to make a decision. And it'll come to your mind. That's how he speaks. It just comes to your mind. You know exactly what it is. 
This isn't for everyone, so if nothing comes to your mind, come back next Sunday. That, that moment will be for you. But for some people in this room, it's coming to you. You may know exactly what it is. And I'm going to ask you to reflect your answer with an action. If you say yes to the Lord, I want you to come out of your seat right now and come down here and stand at the altar and raise both hands as a sign of complete surrender. I know what you're asking me to do and the answer is yes. This is just between you and the Lord. That's it. People are coming out of their seat right now. That's what I'm asking for. Right now. That's it. You know what he's asking you to do, and the answer is yes. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. That's it. Come out of your seat. Come out. If you didn't want to be the first one, now's a good time, because you're going to be like the 20th one at this point. So come on down. come down here. I want you to hold up both hands and just say, I surrender. The answer is yes, I'm going to do it. And then with your hands raised, I just want you to say, I praise you. I sing it hallelujah. And there's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready, but there's a sweet presence of God here. This is why we come to church. We don't come to church to hear somebody talk. We come to church to experience his presence. His presence is here. I want you to enjoy it as long as you would like, and then you can be dismissed whenever you get ready.